Hello all, Tiger here. Before this episode starts, I just wanted to say that this was originally published under our Yeast Films original podcast itself, but because I didn't get that many listens in it, we're not going to be able to maintain it through that specific show in the future. We're going to be putting all future Geeks and Films episodes through the original show just with separate titles, and so because of that, I thought it would be only fair to put the first episode on there as well, especially since we're not doing an episode this week. I thought this would be an ample opportunity to put it on. If you've already listened to it on the Geeks and Films show, you don't need to listen to it here, but I highly recommend it if you didn't get the chance to listen to it yet. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the very first episode of Geeks and Films. Tiger out. Hello all, and welcome to the very first episode of Geeks and Films. This podcast is a part of the Geeks and Games podcast network, which includes this show, but also Geeks and Games, which has been running since December of last year, where me and Yoshimitsu, who is joining me, look at geeks, uh, and I mean, we look at games. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping that in there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we look at games past, present, and future, as well as consoles, obscurities, and other dumb things along the way. As for this podcast, though, we're taking some time to look at movies because, well, the inspiration behind this comes from, uh, so we did an episode with Pavlos for Geeks and Games from the Just a Couple Metalheads podcast, episode 14, where we talked about video game movies, and that is where the seed came from. One of the movies we dissed on was the 1990s uh, Mario film, which is different from the other Mario film that just got a casting announcement, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But so we had so much fun talking about that for its own special episode. I'm like, man, we got to make a film podcast because there are just so many films I love that we could make a podcast on. Sadly, Pavlos is not here right now, but you bet we're going to have him on for episodes in the future. I already have them booked for uh, Star Wars episodes three, six and eight. Spoilers. Oh man, it's good to be back, and I'm so glad you did the intro because I was gonna call it films and games. <laughs> yeah. Other, yeah, but I would like to talk about video game news before we get into the film stuff because it's been so long, and I'm like, I, we need to get this out of the way. So, first off, the Nintendo GameCube celebrated its 20th anniversary on September 14th of 2001, and Super Monkey Balls the got its first GameCube entry the same day. It it had been in arcades before, but I still think it's a worthwhile 20th anniversary, and Banana Mania looks amazing. I want to pick that one up. And um, Sonic Colors Ultimate, a port of the Wii game released for the Switch on September 7th, as well as the Xbox Series X, 1, and PS4 and 5, but the Switch one had a lot of glitches, which Sega patched. So that's good. Uh, Crash Bandicoot celebrated his 25th anniversary on the 9th, uh, and Lego also announced that they're making a Lego Mario question mark block, just a giant question mark block with courses from Super Mario 64 inside. Lego will make anything Mario except a Mario minifigure for some reason. I don't know why. Because <laughs> they, they made a weird robot figure, and now they're making a very tiny figure made with just like three pieces. 
it's a very cool set though. It's probably like it and the friend, the apartments from the TV show Friends are probably like my favorite Lego sets of the year, to be honest. Uh, WarioWare Get It Together released for the Switch on September 10th, The Triumphant Return. Its last entry was like a mini game collection for the 3DS called WarioWare Gold. First mainline entry since uh, WarioWare, um, what was it? It was WarioWare Smooth. Yeah, WarioWare Smooth moves for the Wii. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is getting remade and it's coming to PS5 and Switch. Uh, God of War is getting a new entry called Ragnarok and they just revealed how Thor looks in the game. Some people are mad because it doesn't look like the Marvel comics, but it fits more closely with his um, Norse mythology description. So I think it fits a more traditional strongman type thing. Uh, Sony did a PlayStation showcase, which revealed a sequel to the Spider-Man PS4 game and a Wolverine video game, both made by Insomniac Games. Sadly, Little Big Planet is shutting down the servers for Little Big Planet 1 and 2, as well as 3 for the PlayStation 3 and Little Big Planet Vita, so you can no longer upload and play Little Big Planet levels on those games. I'm very sad. Uh, Deltarune Chapter 2 released on the 17th of this month. Yoshimitsu, I know know you played Undertale, but what about Deltarune? I haven't played that much of Undertale. More just know a lot about it or what happens in it delta rune uh again similar situation although i know less about delta rune but uh i'm excited because i love the soundtracks of both absolutely love them and uh i'm hoping delta rune chapter two gives us more of the same but i expect it will it's toby fox yeah nintendo also announced that they're making a switch light with artwork from brilliant diamond and shining pearl one sad announcement is that Mark McGinty, who did the box art for Street Fighter 2 for the Super Nintendo and the Streets of Rage 2 and 3 for the Genesis, passed away. So very sad. His art is fantastic, too. But the biggest and most important thing is the Nintendo Direct uh, happened uh, yesterday as of the time of this recording, and I made a bonus episode of it for Geeks and Games. And, oh my gosh, it was just a buttload of fun, so... The Nintendo 64 and Genesis games are coming to Switch Online in an expansion. We're getting Chocobo Racing GP, which is based off a game that's based off a mini game from Final Fantasy VII. Kirby's getting a new 3D game with Kirby in the Forgotten Land. There's a collection I'm pretty excited for called the Castlevania Advance Collection, where they're collecting Castlevania Dracula X, or as it's known in Japan, Rondo of Blood. It was a Super Nintendo port of a TurboGrafx-16 PC game. I mean, CD game. And the other Game Boy Advance games. It's also, they announced the Mario movie cast. Since this is a film podcast, I think it's fitting to talk about it. Also, we talked about like the older Mario movie at the right time when like hype for it wasn't super high, but it's right before. So now people might discover the older movie now and in turn find our episode, hopefully. <laughs> um, So the cast is Chris Pratt as Mario. <laughs> That's the only one I don't really care for that much i just hope he does something good with it anya taylor joy from like the queen's gamut in the jane austen emma movie is peach charlie day who played benny the spaceman from the lego movie and art the purple monster from monsters university is luigi this one's my favorite jack black is uh bowser um seth rogan is donkey kong keegan michael key is toad um uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, and Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike, who we'd already talked about, had said he was in the, with, with the movie already. And Charles Martinet, who's played Mario in games for the last 25 years, is getting some cameo appearances. 
And lastly, Bayonetta 3 was announced and it was like, well, not announced, but we got gameplay shown for it and nothing had been said about it since its reveal in 2017. But that is it for news. I'm sorry you had to hear gaming news. If you found a film podcast, you could probably have just skipped over it. But also, if this episode has no music, I am incredibly sorry. That is because I'm experiencing technical difficulties with the songs because I try to get it done ahead of time. If there's music in the show now, great. That means I figured something out. (laughs) But we are here to talk about a, a Pixar franchise that is known sometimes loved depending on who you ask so we are going to talk about the cars franchise. yeah that but so the cars franchise it's a it's a really interesting pixar franchise and the first episode the first entry we're going to talk about we're going to back it up and break wink wink into 2006 and talk about the original cars So it released May 26th of 2006 on the Lowe's Motor Speedway in North Carolina. I think it renamed itself to like the Charlottesville um, Speedway relatively recently. And then it came to the rest of the U.S. sometime later. It was written, the, the screenplay was written by Dan Fogelman, John Lasseter, Joe Rance, Keel Murray, Phil Lauren, and Jorgen Klubian. And the story was by John Lasseter, Joe Rant, and Jorgen Klubian. Sadly, Joe Rant had passed away during the film's production in a car accident, and he did, like, some voice clips for Red. And he was very integral to the story and had also served um, as the inspiration for Mater because he found, like, these weird fake teeth that looked like he was missing teeth, and then he would put on this hillbilly impression, and that was the inspiration for Mater. And it features the voice talents of Owen Wilson as Lightning McQueen. Larry the Cable Guy as Tomater, Bonnie Hunt as Sally, Paul Newman as Doc Hudson, Cheech Marin as Ramon, Jennifer Lewis as Flo, George Carlin as Fillmore, Paul Dooley as Sarge, Tony Shalhoub as Luigi, Guido Quaroni as Guido, Michael Wallace as Sheriff, Catherine Helmand as Lizzie, John Ratzenberger returning, of course, as Mac, Michael Keaton as Chick Hicks, and Richard Petty as Strip the King Weathers. And the score was written by the amazing Randy Newman. So this cast lineup is interesting. Like Michael Wallace wasn't even an actor, but he'd written this book called Route 66, The Mother Road, which got him as a voice talent on this cast because he's like a historian. Larry the Cable Guy is also like a comedian and his catchphrase is get her done. And I don't know. I don't care what you know. That's funny right there was also another one of his catchphrases. Because he's done a couple of comedy albums, and I think the only other thing I've seen him in was Tooth Fairy 2, which was poorly received. But from what I remember, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, and Paul Newman. Paul Newman was actually a racer in real life, and it served as like a as like an advisor on the script. And they also did like sessions between takes, which led to some archive audio that ended up being used for Cars 3. And so... Yoshimitsu, before we get into the original Cars, first off, what are your memories of this film? Uh, I remember that I thought it was, man, I'm not a huge car like person. It's a good movie. I watched it again recently and I just remembered like it's a lot better than I remembered it being. Kind of just like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. I was kind of a weird kid. 
I do remember also, I did not like Lightning McQueen. I like Chick Hicks a lot for some reason. So uh, at school, I got in trouble once because I ran around the our playground and intentionally bumped people and told them I was Chick Hicks. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I got into trouble from that. And that's the only time I've ever really been to the principal's office. Um, I learned my lesson. I'd only sort of. I recently stole a teacher's meter stick, but more on that later. Um, yeah, I. You rebel, you. It's it's a nice movie. Yeah. So I it back, it was only for like an hour, and it was when he didn't need it. Yeah. So my memory. Uh, are you done with your memories? Yeah. Okay. So my memories are more in depth. So the reason we're doing this is because it is the Pixar film that I have the most love, the most warmth, and the most nostalgia to. So. First off, when it comes to Disney and Pixar, we're not going to do, we're probably only going to do very, very few of them because there's this other Disney podcast I've talked about on the show a lot before called Disorder. They're doing Disney films and some Pixar films. They, the only Pixar film they've done so far is Toy Story, but I assume they'll do others in the future. I just really wanted to do Cars because I love it and because Yoshimitsu, some of his favorite films are the Incredibles films. We'll also cover those on the show too at some point. So that's why we're doing Cars. So I this film was everywhere. It's just a film that's always been around for me. So I had um the two films I my mom said I, I always had watching on repeat as a child were this film and the Curious George animated film. We should probably cover that one on the show at some point, too. Uh, the soundtrack, my dad had like burned a CD with the soundtrack on it for me. And I listened to that thing over and over. I also had it on my old iPod that doesn't work anymore. Diecast. Whoa, I have diecast galore. In fact, I posted a, a couple of videos on our Discord server showcasing my collection as like a little tie-in since I didn't know how soon this episode was going to come out. Uh, yeah, I also owned a couple of posters. I remember my grandmother having cars puzzles. I used to put together a lot. Some of the notable white whales of my diecast collecting career was like um Bessie, the 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 steamroller thing, Lightning McQueen toes. I had looked for that forever, and then they re-released her recently, and I finally got it. Rusty and Dusty, like the two sponsor cars from the Rusty's tent, I had always wanted to, but I could never get them. So whenever I was acting out the film, I always used Chick Hicks and Fillmore instead because they looked the closest. And then also Minnie. I, I owned Van, but not Minnie. She was harder to come by for some reason. And then I also had gotten her in the Cars 3 set. Weird that she came out with the Cars reset because I don't think they were even in the third movie. Also, Linda, uh, Linda, the king's wife. I'd also looked for her for a long time. And uh, Corey Tur and Corey Turbowitz, which was uh, the reporter that McQueen talks to. I'd always use Sally in my acting out of that one. And I still don't have her, but it's at the point where it's been long enough and I'm fine with it. Uh, I also, the Cars Lego sets. In my opinion, 2011 was the best year that Lego has had set-wise. I own, the Lego Cars is probably still my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things ever. And the Lego Oil Rig set with Finn McMissile is one of my favorite Lego sets ever. I also remember finding a golden book where it was like Mater and Tractor Tipping or something that I had seen at a, uh, like a buy mart or something. And I convinced my mom to buy it for me. And also, this one's an, a fun memory. So for like New Year's, my mom and dad had dragged me to this concert to see this singer named Esperanza Spalding. And to keep me occupied, they had gotten me a, a Cars sticker book, which I had 
I had used during the concert. But then we went out to get like snacks. And when it was time to get let back in, we found out we couldn't get. And the guy who was explaining this to us, I loved his voice. And I literally told him that he should go into voice acting. I think he found that flattering. And then we ended up going back in. And then I think right after that, they played parts of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And that was pretty fun. But that is about all my memories. But now it's time to get into the development of the film. So the idea for this film came around like the time Bugs Life was in development. It was originally going to be like the little car or something. It was about like a it's no called the yellow car. It's about like an electric car living in a gas guzzling world. And like the that idea had come from Jorgen Klubian because there was this car that was introduced in his native country that had three wheels that was very poorly received. Ironically enough, there's a car with three wheels in cars too. And the, the design of the cars themselves came from John Lasseter's favorite Disney short, Susie the Little Blue Coo, because the typical car uh, uh, anthropomorphic design puts the eyes in the headlights, which they also poke fun at in cars too. But in Susie the Little Blue Coupe, they put that in the windshield. And then there was this other like taxi short that Metro Goldwyn Mayer had made that used a similar design. And a, a, another central idea for like the when the when the film ideas had come. So as like a production thing, as also inspiration in general, John Lasseter and his wife and four sons went on a road trip in the summer of 2000. And he had just documented everything and then they went on another we went on another road trip with the pixar crew that was when they discovered um the inspiration for mater there was like this rusty old tow truck sitting in a lot in this city called galena kansas they saw it and they wanted to make it a character in the movie so after this had been made they um, actually found out this was the last movie that was made by Pixar before Disney had officially bought them. They like distributed the Pixar films before, like with Toy Story and other films. But now that Pixar had been officially bought by them, now they're making films like through the company. Also, when I watched a bit of this on Disney Plus, they took out the cool 3D castle intro at the beginning and replaced it with the standard one, which that's part of the movie for me. I don't it's mean. I don't like it. Um. It was also the, uh, they had released a teaser trailer in like 2004, 2005 is where it showed like a bee just flying around. Mater runs into it and he's like, I killed a bumblebee. And then like a whole other, and like McQueen's like, oh, don't be such a baby. And then a bunch of bugs fly into his face. And then they show like a race sequence with cars that look very different from the final product. Luigi's the flagman there. And then it shows McQueen and Mater talking about the trailer and then it made it's like i'd give my left two lug nuts just to see that picture and then he spits so i think i remember seeing that trailer in like the the dvd for the incredibles my family had but that's like my only memory of that trailer and then there was also this poster that released before the movie came out that was like covered with tarp it was like mcqueen covered with a tarp you could see a smile but you could also see the outline of side view mirrors which aren't on lightning mcqueen in the movie and after the film that came out, this film had received uh, accusations of plagiarizing because there was this film called Doc Hollywood about like this doctor that like gets this amazing classic surgery case that could he's like a big shot doctor and then like finds a case that could make it big for him. And then when he's traveling, he crashes his car into a like a townhouse, which is like in a small town. And then like the judge sentences him to community service by serving as an assistant doctor in the little town a doctor's office with like an old doctor serving over him and he's planning to retire it has michael j fox in the lead role so i mean i don't know maybe i haven't seen it so and 
lastly, before we get into the plot, I'd like to say that when this film released in theaters, the Pixar short, of course, we got to mention the Pixar shorts. The short that released theatrically alongside it was called One Man Band. It's about like this, these two guys that have like multiple band instruments as part of their getup. I've seen that. That th- uh, that short terrified me when I was much younger. I can kind of see so why. Scary. <laughs> like they're gonna kill each other. Ah! The kid just wants to keep her nickel. What's so bad about that? Uh, I I did not get the chance to see the short before the film, sadly. But you know, I thought I'd mention it. So. The film itself, it starts with the race the Dynaco 500 starts and Big Shot Racer Lightning McQueen is about to exit. You can, There's an Easter egg here right off the bat. His tires say Lightyear, which are a reference to both Buzz Lightyear and the Goodyear Tire Company. But you can also see another reference on it start with like an embossed thing that says Gamma Quadrant Sector 4, which is where Buzz Lightyear says he's from in Toy Story. So he, as he exits the song uh, Real Gone by Cheryl Crow plays. I think this song... I liked it a lot as a kid, but now I just find it okay. <laughs> it's it like it's really a, well though. It's a yeah, it's a great song to open the movie though. So the speedway that McQueen is racing at is called the uh it's the Dynaco 500, no Dynaco 400, and it's at the speedway called the Motor Speedway of the South, and it's located in Nashville, Tennessee. Apparently, I don't. It's not a real speedway, but so McQueen gets into the race. And Lightning McQueen is actually named after Pixar animator Glenn McQueen, who had sadly died in 2002. So as the race starts, there's like this shot where it like zooms into a group of RVs. And one of them has the art, like a painting on his back. His name's Bud. And he has like the art for Bounden, like the jackalope bouncing from Bounden. I was really hoping they'd always make that guy like as a physical car die cast. And they eventually did at some point, but I never picked him up. Uh, and when he, uh, as we see Lightning McQueen navigating through the lot, we see Chickick just bump into a car and then he like, the car like spins out a little bit. So Chickick was weighed by Michael Keaton, but he was not, his role was not reprised for the third film when he comes back. The reason behind that is at the time of this film, Michael Keaton was semi-retired and then he recently went fully out of retirement as we can see, because he was in a, he played the villain in Spider-Man Homecoming, did really well there too. And by the time he was like fully an actor again, he like he was too expensive. So they just had an animator named Bob Peterson replace him as the voice instead. And then we also see the king who is played by real life racer Richard Petty. Just like the king's crash later on in the film, Richard Petty had a pretty big crash in real life too. And the king's car design was uh, Richard Petty's real car. And the, the specific shade of blue the king has was called Petty Blue because like according to the story, Richard Petty had like a, a very short amount of time in order to paint his car. And like he went into his garage, he found one can of blue paint and three cans of white paint. And they're like, ah, oh, screw it. And then he mixed it all together and painted his car with it. So that specific shade of blue has an origin story. And the Easter eggs to this guy, did they have to put in order to get him to play the bull? I don't know, but it's like a. It, I'm sure he was happy to do it. And his son, Kyle Petty, plays Cal in the third film. So, you know, family tradition. And so we then zoom in to see like Bob Cutlass and Daryl Cartrip narrating the thing. So Bob Cutlass is voiced by a real announcer named Bob Costas. Same with Daryl Cartrip, who's voiced by Daryl Waltrip. 
And I said this in the video I made, but on the back of Derek Cartridge's diecast, it says dwstore.com. So there's shameless self-promotion there. And Daryl Waltrip is also a real-life uh, racing commentator, and his catchphrase was boogity, 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 let's go racing, boys, which they put into the film with the later race. And so then they tell us that this is the final race for the Piston Cup, and, like, the three people who have, like, are tied for points, and this is the race they need to win to get it, but Arma Queen, who's the rookie, Chick Hicks, who's been in the business relatively long, and then the King, who's, like, the veteran on the track. And then... So Chick, the jerk that he is, knocks lightning into the grass. And then McQueen, like, gains on him. And then Chick is being mean again. And then he, like, knocks another car. And then that causes a whole giant wreck, which McQueen has to navigate to. And then there's this weird little moment where you see, like, two cars, like, giggling at each other for some reason. Then another car runs into them. And then they're, like, one car's right on top of the other. And they're, like, screaming at each other. It was kind of weird. And so McQueen navigates through the wreck. He jumps off the tires of another car and sticks his tongue out. It's like he's very show-offy. And so after that, the race restarts. We can see, like, one of the racers in there is, like, an Apple car. Like, it's just all white with, like, the gray Apple logo. And the, um, the number for his race number is 84, which is the year that uh, Apple released the Macintosh computer. Some other racing number uh, little illusions I wanted to touch on. McQueen's number is 95, the year Toy Story came out, and Chick Hicks's number is 86, the year that uh, Pixar was founded. Because right before Cars starts, if you can see, it says Pixar celebrating 20 years. So I'm like, I, it was hard for me to believe they'd been around for 20 years because they only started making movies like nine whole years after they were around. But they still made shorts for a while. I think Pixar even like worked on animating like the little light blueprint that you could see for the deaths, like the Death Star plans that were in the original Star Wars movie. And um, so, and another one of the sponsors I wanted to mention is called Leakless Adult Drip Pan. So it's like the car equivalent of adult diapers, <laughs> which is dumb to me, uh, but it, it's so, it's so funny though too. <laughs> So you can also see like a really giant RV. He's named Albert Hinky. He's like McQueen's self-proclaimed biggest fan. They actually gave out a die cast of this guy. I think like at either a San Diego Comic Con or like a D23 convention. He's pretty cool looking to me. I kind of wanted him, but sadly because of how expensive he is, I can't. And so McQueen is very much a brash loner. So he has a crew chief. I mean, he has a crew, but not a crew chief because he doesn't want to be directed. He's like, his crew members are like, um, you need tires. You need new tires. And I was like, no, I need gas, not tires. And then as they leave, you're like, you need tires, you idiot. And then like later on when he's like, McQueen is one tire. One of them goes, you fool, which I thought was so funny when I had rewatched this for the, uh, the show. And so, like, after that, yeah, McQueen blows a tire. He's, like, about to win. And then the King and Chick close on him. Somehow, the race is tied because they end up being right next to each other at the exact inch. And McQueen sticks his tongue out. And that somehow counts. And so then, like, McQueen's getting an interview. And then he's all like, could you move it out of the way? My pit crew, I want them to see my good side. And then they're like, okay, we quit. You're too much. And then, like, the king's about to give, like, him some advice on racing. And then he's like, 
he's kind of like zoned out because he like has dreams of him becoming the Dinoco sponsor where he's like in a film called Lightning Storm where he zaps like giant spark plugs with legs. I've heard some cynicism directed towards this movie because they thought that I've heard people's viewpoint saying that like part of the reason this series got made at all was because little boys love toy cars. And so the merchandising for this film was a lot, but I loved it so much. So I guess their marketing worked and I'm just too nostalgic for the film to admit it for what it is. <laughs> and so we also see like early on that the he's talking to the king is talking to his wife. Linda, voiced by Richard Petty's real wife, Linda Petty. And they actually asked her what kind of car she'd want to be. And she said she'd wanted to be a station wagon. And so they made her station wagon. And then there's the Dynaco like owner. His name is Tex Dynaco. And he's voiced by, I kid you not, the, the guy's name is Humpy Wheeler. That is his real name. And so like the, the reason he looks the way he does is like a Cadillac with cattle horns on his grill. The reason behind that is because, um, during the inspiration road trip, John Lasseter saw this Cadillac in Cody, Wyoming with cattle horns on the front grill to promote a rodeo. So I had actually watched this film with the director's commentary. It's on the Blu-ray. There's this thing called Cine Explore where they also show like deleted scenes and like some little bonus documentary clips that they sparse in between. And so after that, McQueen jumps on stage he wakes up from his stupor assuming that he uh he won and then they're like we have a three-way tie and then chick is like smack talking him and then after that mcqueen like exits we can also see like the light year blimp which is very clearly based off the good year blimp but with light year instead that's more directly a good year reference instead of buzz light year so he like sees his trait is um his hauler Mac and he's like, Oh, you got to make an appearance at the Rusty's tent because they're your sponsors. They have like a special crowd here. And then he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And then it cuts to like a commercial for Rusty's. And I, I'm lightning McQueen here giving you Rusty's bumper medication. So I guess in real life, it would be like hemorrhoid cream or something, which would be a very embarrassing thing to sell. And then like on the card, like they put the Rusty's thing on, it says actual results may take up to 36 weeks which is like three fourths of a year. So I, I wouldn't get it at that point. Here's the other thing. There's actually a, a brand that makes a pancake mix called Krusty's. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And like the license plate of that car, they put stuff on. It says Evil, which is a reference to Emeryville, the city where Pixar is located. Pixar loves them a good Easter egg. Oh yeah, uh, they have so many. So then, like, we uh, cut to the tent. We see Rusty and Dusty presenting, like, some comedy sketch or something. They're played by Tom and Ray Magliazzi. So um, Tom had si sadly died in 2014, but Ray's still alive. So they, they had a feature on NPR called, uh, called Car Talk. And so the catchphrase, don't drive like my brother and don't drive like my brother, is a catchphrase from the show. So they brought them on to be host. So because Ray is still alive today... They brought back um, they brought back Ray to use voice new voices for Dusty for Cars Three and use archived audio from the radio show for Tom, like as Rusty in Cars Three. So like um, and McQueen is trying to sneak away by wearing like a sign and then like people spot him and then he like presents like a thing and like as he's about to present, you can hear somebody shout "Free Bird," which is a reference to a Leonard Skinner song, and then like. 
he talks about like if you re- use Rusty's, you too can look like me. Cut out. And then he also says something like, "Uh, r- race cars don't need s- headlights. The track is always lit." And then Rusty says, "So is my brother, but he still needs headlights." <laughs> Which that is a that is a really that is a really good joke. I didn't get it at all when I had first seen it, but I think it's so fun now. Um, well, that's the thing with that movie. It's it's a great movie but I was too young to understand almost anything they were saying when I watched it. So, And also the, um, the voice of Fred, like the car whose bumper keeps falling off. He's voiced by Andrew Stanton, the director of Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, and Wally. So, so McQueen goes uh, away to the race in, in California in order to like determine a true winner. And then it sets up the best song in the movie, Actually, second best, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Life is a Highway, a cover of a song by Tom Cochran covered by Rascal Flatts. And during the sequence, you can see like a very quick glimpse of like birds on a telephone pole, which is a reference to the Pixar short for the birds. Again, all of their shorts terrified me when I first watched them. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there was like blue big bird. That's what he looks like to me. Sits on their uh, their telephone pole and they like get all pulled to the bottom and they like come up with the plan to like get them off. And then it's like they all go flying in the air. It's so, a great short. All of Pixar shorts are really good. Yeah, they are. Um, So the reason Mac is voiced by John Ratzenberger or well, like th- why he, that they chose the design he did was because John Ratzenberger's father was a truck driver for a living and he drove a Mac truck. So they made him a Mac truck as a reference to his father and Mac is a real truck brand, of course. And so M- McQueen talks with his lawyer named Harv in the U S version. He's voiced by Jeremy Piven, but in the UK version, he's voiced by Jeremy Clarkson, who's a member of the noted car TV show top gear. If you haven't heard of him, he's probably most famous for appearing in the meme of the guy saying, oh, no, anyway. But And that's Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, there was also a, a deleted truck stop scene where, like, McQueen stops at a truck stop and Mac gets, like, washed to try to, uh, to try to, like, wake up. And then, like, you see, we see cars with all, like, tricked out lights. And one of them has, like, a weird, like, tongue-piercing looking thing that's just a giant light bulb. Those deleted scenes were freaking weird. So, like, what they do on the shorts is they, like, have people do voiceovers over the uh, the storyboards. Which is so, it's so cool to me. Um, so, there was a, uh, this also would have, uh, sometime after this, when they're driving again, uh, before he got to Radiator Springs, McQueen probably would have found himself in like a graveyard of old cars and like they're scaring him. And this played into, this was turned into a scene from a car short called the Radiator Springs 500 and a half. So after this, we see Mac is getting pursued by these delinquents named uh, Boost, who is voiced by Jonas Rivera, a producer at Pixar, DJ voiced by EJ Holowicki, who worked in the Pixar sound department. And he also voices a character in the card's video games, like a, a giant monster truck called the Crippler. And the uh, DJ is also the car's land park in Disneyland. Ringo, who's voiced by Adrian Ochoa, who's just a crew member, and Snotrod, voiced by Lou Romano. Lou Romano's a Pixar animator, and he voiced Linguini in Ratatouille. Can so I just say a- I love that, that name, Snotrod? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I love their designs, too. Like, DJ, is, it's, he's a, his design is amazing. So, like, the song they're playing is called Rolling in the Review by this guy named Yabu, Jabu, something like that. 
And so they'd swerve Mac by playing Kenny G like saxophone music. This actually, well, this exact song was like a plot point in an episode of Psych. Um, so they lull him to sleep. And then like, because they're like shaking him back and forth, a bobblehead gets knocked off Mac's shelf, falls onto the thing that opens the, the back of the truck. And McQueen like sort of swerves out and then snot rod sneezes, which make, wakes Mac up. And he's like, oh, I gotta wake up. And then like McQueen, like, he wakes up backwards on the street. He like, then he follows a truck that's not Mac. It's a Peterbilt for dang's sake. And so by the way, the designs on the Peterbilt are actually um, like, you can see a little like battery heads that are red with yellow tips. There are four of these on each of the four sides of the truck. And all four of these were drawn by a different one of John Lasseter's sons. So I thought that was so cool. And so like, McQueen is like, he doesn't know what to do next. So he just sort of like turns left on the road, which is along Route 66. And he sees a, an old police car named Sheriff. He's like, not back town, you don't. And then he like pursues McQueen. But then he backfires, which McQueen mistakes for gunfire. Because cars have guns. Yeah, they do. And then we pan to a nice quiet scene. A scene showing Radiator Springs in all its nighttime glory. Like actually cars do have guns and cars too. Mater has like those guns. Oh, we can, oh my gosh. How did I forget that? So in this scene, we can see like uh, we see uh, Luigi. Luigi's license plate actually, um, Luigi's a Fiat and his license plate are like the GPS coordinates for the Ferrari manufacturing plant. Guido, whose name means I drive in Italian. Red, the fire truck. Lizzie, the Ford Model T. Ramon, the body artist or tattoo artist, I guess. Of Flo, who owns the cafe. And then Sarge and Fillmore. Sarge is apparently like a World War II veteran in uh Fillmore is just like a very stoned hippie. He's like, I swear every third blink is slower. And then Sarge is like, those 60s weren't good to you, were they? And the song that's playing in the background, now we're gonna move on to some more sad facts. So this song is called My Heart Would Know, and it's performed by country artist yeah. Hank Williams. Hank Williams died at the age of 29. So I'm so sorry for ruining your day, but I just thought it was something worth mentioning as like a tribute to. I think he's like described as like one of the founders of country music. His son, Hank Williams Jr. went into country music. His grandson, Hank Williams III, did not go into country music, but like heavy metal music. So, I mean, I know it. Yeah, I know it. it, I know it's sad, but I kind of figured it was worth mentioning, you know. Uh, so McQueen runs into barbed wire. He runs into cones. He runs into, uh, he, like drives through the cafe. And then he's like, uh, what happens is he like, he runs into like the statue of Stanley, the town's founder in front of the courthouse. And then like the Stanley statue gets like elevated from the cluster of bricks it's on. And the statue, like the way it's connected to the blocks, it like pulls down. And then like a giant pain digs into the ground. McQueen is scared. And then he tries to like run away from it. And then that pin like digs a jagged line into the ground. And that causes the road to get all bent up. And so then like the, and then like the Stanley statue like goes flying off a ramp and into a telephone pole. And then that like sends McQueen like fly the stand McQueen caught in the telephone pole and Stanley flying perfectly back into the position he was. Deus ex machina. And then McQueen is like just caught in the barbed wire in the telephone pole. He's like falling asleep. Sheriff tells him he's in a heap of trouble. Then Mac arrives at the Los Angeles Speedway. And then like all these reporters are saying, like, uh, oh, McQueen is missing. This is terrible. And then one of them is named Jay Leno, played by uh 
if you don't know who he is, he was the host of the the Tonight Show before Jimmy Fallon had hosted it. And then there's like this Hummer car who is based off of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then so McQueen makes up in Mater's junkyard slash impound lot. I already said what Mater's inspirations were, but his license plate reads A113 and Easter egg in every Pixar film. Hitting the Pizza Planet truck. There we go. I couldn't remember where it was. It was also on the face of the train that almost runs into into McQueen. And... um, so Mater is also partially based off this guy named Douglas Kiever, who was named Mater as a joke. He says, uh, they said that like the reason he was called Mater came from like the fact that he was always eating tomatoes or like the Southern pronunciation of tomatoes. He's like, I was always eating them. And when I wasn't eating them, I was terrorizing my neighbors by throwing them at them. <laughs> He's the self-appointed mayor of like this little hill in the Lowe's National Speedway, or they called, I think, the Charlottesville Speedway or something. And so it's like, that's called Redneck Hill. And he's like the, he goes to those races a lot, apparently. And so like McQueen is given an impound lock. And apparently like now is as good a time to mention it as Annie. Like occasionally McQueen will be sticking his tongue out while he's thinking. This is something that John Lasseter did. And they incorporated this into his design. Kind of like how Yen Sid from the Fantasia film was like directly movements based on Walt Disney when Fantasia came out in 1940. We also might cover that one on the show eventually too but that that depends so then mcqueen is put on trial doc hudson who is based off the real car called the 1951 hudson hornet comes out he's like uh okay i'm gonna put him in jail and he sees his race car which brings back bad memories which we'll see later on and then he's like put him in jail and then sally who walt is in like mcqueen is very spent with her and he's like let's make him do community service instead because he ruined our road and then he's like, uh, okay. And then like made McQueen. I don't know if he's like, uh, I know he's trying to be flirtatious, but this seems like borderline harassment to me. It's like, oh, sorry. Did I scare you with my lovely engine? He does a little much. And then like Doc Hudson is like, okay, we'll hook you up to Bessie. You have to, uh, you have to pave the road. I'm still not quite sure how Bessie actually works. So if I had to guess, Bessie probably breaks up the cement that's there, melts it down, and then repaves it. Most likely, as yeah. Both along. Most likely. There was actually this very weird um, deleted scene where it's like McQueen has like a dream sequence where he like a his engine and therefore consciousness gets placed into that of a steamroller and he has to... Um, pave the road that way and then Mater's consciousness gets put into McQueen's body and then like Matt comes along and takes Mater as McQueen to the speedway and then like McQueen wakes up and then there was this other deleted scene where like and before McQueen can uh can stay there has to become street legal and take like a driving test which played into a car short that was like developed I think fully animated but never released and I'll definitely get to that later so yeah McQueen is like starting to He's like about to pay the road. He's like, you better unhook me, Mater. Mater unhooks him. He runs away. He like drives away. Sal is like, we actually siphoned gas. Ha ha ha. And so then McQueen is like, he's paving the road. And then two cars named Minnie and Van come along. And then like the customers get all excited. I mean, the the shop, all the members of Radiator Springs get all excited because they haven't had visitors in their town for a long time. It turns out they're lost. They come on a little strong, which scares Minnie and Van off. So 
Minnie is voiced by Edie McClurg, who voiced like the principal's assistant in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Vanna's voiced by Richard Kind, who also played Bing Bong in Inside Out, another Pixar film in the future. So then like McQueen's like, you need to rescue me. I'm a famous race car. And then, he, and then they're like, they run away. Then he's like, don't leave me here. My IQ's dropping by the second. I'm becoming one of them, which is probably one of my favorite quotes in the movie. Right after this, we hear like on the radio that Chick Hicks has already arrived in California and then he has a nightmare sequence or like similar to the Dinoco McQueen sequence that we'd heard before, but it's Chick is Dinoco. And then like McQueen is like, I have to get there. And so he like make, he like tries to pave the road speedier, which is like, you know, quality over quantity. And then he's like, um, Mater likes it, but everybody else hates it. He's like, it rides pretty smooth. And then like, Sally says, it looks awful. And then McQueen says, the best burn of the whole film. Well, it matches the rest of the town. And there's like red cries and drives away. And then Doc Hudson like challenges him to like a race around Willie's Butte, which he know he won't win. And then it's like, they start the race. McQueen drives off. And then it's like, Doc Hudson is like, it's not starting. And then it's like, McQueen doesn't see the cactus pit coming and he falls into it. And that's like Doc technically wins the race and like Mater toes him out. And so mate, so McQueen has to use like a shovel to like dig up the road. And then he's like in the night, he's like paving the road again. And like a splot of oil falls on his head. And he's like, I hate doing this. Hate, hate, hate it. And then Doc says music, sweet music, which is very mean. <laughs> but I love it so much at the other hand, on the other hand. And apparently I'm, um, Ornament Valley is based off of Monument Valley, which is like where it takes place. And then there's, you can see like the Cadillac Ranch inspired the design of the Cadillac Range, which is also part of Ornament Valley. So like there was this art installation where these three guys took like 1970s Cadillacs and put them into the ground. And so it's like now people paint graffiti all over them. And it's like a tourist attraction in Texas. So McQueen tries to like the turn right to go left thing in the morning again. And then he falls into cactus. Red washes it off. And then Sally's all like, you can stay in the cozy cone if you want. And we can see that Sally has like a pinstripe tattoo. Right after this, Mater invites McQueen to go tractor tipping, which he accepts. And then like you're supposed to like honk your horn. And that makes the tractors like fall over. It's like cow tipping in real life. Apparently they said in the Easter eggs on the IMDB trivia, which can be helpful, sometimes not. It said that it came from this TV show called Milky the Marvelous Milking Cow, which came out in the 70s and was made by Kenner. I saw a video of somebody using it and it doesn't sound the same at all. And then like Frank the Combine Harvester who threatens to chop up the cars comes along. Mater technically took McQueen along. It's an actual death. Like he probably could have died. <laughs> that was that mate Mater's very irresponsible. <laughs> so like um M- like McQueen then has another nightmare when he's sleeping in the cozy cone after like, but after they get back, Mater and McQueen figure out like, oh, they, they they're kind of they're, they're kind of like best friends now, which is very sweet. We see that Mater likes to drive backwards, and then and then McQueen like sleeps in the cozy cone. We can see that there's romantic tension between Sally and McQueen. Ooh. And then like McQueen has like, n- like another nightmare sequence where he thinks that uh, like it's Frank chasing them who brutally, he brutally murders, she kicks. Frank wins the race. And then like the tractors are licking McQueen, which is a very, uh, it's very funny. And so like, like McQueen wakes up. But before that, we can see that uh, um, 
Sarge and Fillmore have like an ongoing like music rivalry where it's like Sarge will play Reveille in the morning, which is like a military song. And then Fillmore will play the Jimi Hendrix cover of the Star Spangled Banner. So then after that, McQueen's like, oh, I got to do something. And they like goes to see Doc. McQueen busts in on Sheriff getting an examination. And then like Doc's like, I'll talk to you later. And then McQueen exits. He like kicks the can angrily into like a side door. And then they see that Doc Hudson was a popular racer in his day and had a couple of piston cups. And then like Doc's like, get out of here. And then McQueen goes away. It's like, everybody, did you know that Doc had a piston cup? And then Mater's like, he did what in his cup? Another joke that I didn't get for the longest time, but I now get and so like they they offer mcqueen can get uh some gas and so he gets filled up and then like sally invites him to a drive sheriff gives him some warning lights like oh don't you dare drive back that way to get to california so sally takes him on a drive and then like takes him to the uh the wheel well motel and then it's like oh you see that interstate there that cut um it didn't used to be that way people would usually go to radiator springs all the time and that cuts into the song called our town which was written by uh james taylor no written by randy newman and sung by james taylor it has the same name of a play that i had actually read um recently by thornton wilder like talking about like a town like from like the early 1900s up till the 1930s it's kind of sad but it's really well written and the song almost got nominated for a grammy but it got um you know it almost got nominated for best uh song oscar in 2016 uh, 2006 but it lost to i need to wake up from the movie an inconvenient truth so and then we see like radiator springs in its heyday it's that like that the stuff had like shut down and then sally and mcqueen drive back and mater had been wrestling up the tractors and caused a stampede and then like mcqueen rounds up the tractors and then we see like doc's putting on his racing wheels and trying to race again and like mcqueen is like awed by this and then he goes up to doc and then like McQueen and Doc go into Doc's shed and he's like, oh, I used to race, but then I got into this big wreck. And then he's like, um, has one of my favorite quotes in the movie where he's like, um, I went back expecting a big welcome. You know what they said? Your history moved right on to the next rookie standing in line. There was a lot left in me and I never had a chance to show them. And then he says to Lightning, like, these are good people here who care about one another. I don't want them trusting somebody they can't count on. So he has a really big aversion towards rookies and race cars of all time. And then McQueen is like, um, oh, like you hiding the secret past? And then, like, Doc gets angry and goes off in a huff. So, like, after this, McQueen finishes the road. And in the morning, they think he left. And then we see the McQueen's right there. And it takes Mater a couple seconds to catch on because he's a little slow-witted. And then, like, they're like, you know, you can go to the race now, right? And then McQueen's like, actually, I think I'll stay for a little bit. And then, he like, there's a cool trick out sequence set to Route 66 by Chuck Berry. Apparently, the song was, like, on the B-side of another record he made. And when Pixar went to, like, the record company to try to get the rights to it, they the company didn't even know that song existed. And they had to dig around in their files to be like, oh, we do have that song. You're most, you're more than welcome to use it. And so McQueen comes back and like a cool paint job missing his spoiler. And then they like cruise. And this is set to another really great song, Shaboom by the Chords. And then like we see that there's like amazing neon lights. When they cruise around the town, we see like uh, there's like customers and a lot of them like Flo says, but it's actually reporters here to like take McQueen away. And then like uh, we then we see on uh, the screen in, on Mac. Like the best, uh, the best thing in the whole movie. It's like 
Chick Hicks saying Kachiga, which is which is so amazing. Actually, there was a series of cars graphic novels made by Boom Comics. One of them was called Route 66 Dash. We made a car named Bubba, who apparently like terrorized Mater in his childhood, and he and uh Chick are going on the Route 66 Dash, and Bubba comes up with the catchphrase Kachanga, which overpowers Chick Hicks. And then so it's like a race from Radiator Springs to Chicago that Stanley had started, apparently. Mum, Fillmore and Ramon win, but by the weirdest thing, like they get caught on Mater's Tokyo, they go flying into the air, then like an entire day later, they land in Chicago right in front of everybody else. It's a pretty cool graphic novel, but at the same time, very weird. And then we also see that, like, back to the movie, Doc Hudson alerted the media saying, and as like kind of out of spite, I guess. And then Sally's like, are you sure this was best for everybody or best for you? And then like everybody goes back to their respected places. And then Doc's just like chilling in front of the streetlight, all sad. And then it's like the race in California starts. So we see um, a couple of Easter eggs. We, we see a sign that says the city of Emeryville is shut down just to watch the race, which is a little irresponsible in my opinion. And as we like pan to the crowd, we can see like a couple of race, a uh, couple of characters named Johnny and Jamie. They were made both made into diecast, were like dripping spit off the side of the thing. And we can also see a taxi mate named Vern's Taxi, who is a real taxi service in Sonoma, California. And we can also see the Pizza Planet truck as like the camera zooms into Bob Cutlass and Daryl Cartrip giving their thoughts on the race. And so, like, uh, we can see that this is going to be like the King's last race. And so Mac is serving as McQueen's crew chief. And as he's racing, he's having a hard time getting uh, his head in the game because he keeps thinking about Radiator Springs. Then we see that they practically all showed up except for Sally, Lizzie, and Red. We can't see Sheriff, though, for some reason. He's not with either of them. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's, like, catching down the the delinquents that we see he captures in the, in the like, during the credits. So during... So we see that Doc Hudson is serving as the crew chief. People are recognizing him as the fabulous Hudson Hornet. One of the guys that do it is like this blue car with a headset up in the booth. His name is Artie, and he's based off this guy named Artie Kemper. He was a racing commentator for Fox TV that served as a production assistant for the film. Uh, when McQueen goes into for a tire change, Guido makes an incredibly fast tire change that he did just on his own, and it causes the chick crew members' mustaches to fall off, which is very funny to me. And then like... Uh, Lightning does the turn right to go left when he's like swerving a bit. He does it in the grass and it's pretty cool. And then like Chick Hicks, the the jerk that he is, he like bumps the king and then that like causes him to do a very bad crash. And then like McQueen's about to cross the finish line and then he doesn't and like Chick wins instead. And then like McQueen goes back to the spot where the king crashed and like pushed him along the finish line to win, which I think is incredibly sweet. And so technically Chick won, but nobody's happy about it. Everybody's booing at him. Like they, they spite blue confetti at him. And like, because uh, they, McQueen just wanted the King to finish his last race, which was super sweet of him. So right after this, uh, Tex offer, Tex Dynaco offers McQueen the, uh, the Dynaco sponsorship, which comes into play in Cars 3, which he declines. But then he's like, oh, uh, there is one thing. And then we can see Mater riding in a helicopter, which he said he had always wanted to do in an earlier scene. And then McQueen is having a new like Radiator Springs paint job talking with Sally. And then it's like Mater's like, 
my queen and Sally park beneath the tree. K I S E Sim 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 T. We another again. He's like not too bright, but that kind of plays into his like redemption arc, if you want to call it that, in the sequel. So like then they drive away, and then the credits start set to Route sixty six by um a cover of that song done by John Mayer, and I really like the song, but it has like it's like eight minutes long. The first four minutes are just the song, and the last four minutes are just like a really long guitar solo. Um, so during this credit sequence, we see that like the old hotel has been turned into like the Doc Hudson Museum. And then, um, but oh, wait, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention before this, Luigi and Guido meet a Michael Schumacher Ferrari voiced by real life Ferrari driver, Michael Schumacher. Also earlier on, I forgot to mention, we meet Mario Andretti voiced by a real life racer, Mario Andretti. And then we could also see Sarge has started like a boot camp for SUVs, which I think is making fun of the fact like, there was like a point in time when like SUVs were seen as more of a status symbol than a car that people would actually use to drive around um, on terrain. And then they're like, they're all weird. <laughs> well, not like weird, but they're all like not used to it. And then we see that Sheriff gets the impounds. And then it's like a, in the drive-in theater, they make a lot of, uh, they make a lot of John Ratzenberger jokes. And like, like for toys, we see Toy Story with uh, Buzz and Woody their roles were reprised by uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen and Billy Crystal and John Goodman also reprised their roles as Mike and Sully for the Monsters Inc. thing, Monster Trucks Inc. And then Dave Foley rep reprised his voice as Flick for the, uh, uh, was it a bug, a bug car's life or something. And then it's like, like and then M Max says, wait a minute, they're using the same actor for every film. What kind of cut rate production is this? Then after this, there's another song that plays Find Yourself by Brad Paisley. It's very sweet. It's a, uh, it's this song got stuck in my head a lot and I really enjoy it too. And then there's also a post credit scene where we see that Van and Minnie are lost in the desert. And it's like, we should have asked for direction. Then it's like, no, there's a non-ramp. I can feel it. <laughs> and then like, there's a, a bug that crashes into the like, camera. That's the end of the, the first movie. So... But I mean, I guess they're fine because they turn up in the second one. So the film came out, it made $462 million on a $120 million budget. So it definitely made money. It got a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 74%, a Metacritic of 73%, and an IMDb score of 7.1. So it was nominated for Best Animated Picture at the Oscars that year, but it lost to Happy Feet, of all things. Um... The DVD sold 5 million copies in two days. And it, there was also like this rare VHS company made by the Disney Movie Club, which was also the last Disney VHS that had ever been made. Um, but uh, Yoshimitsu, what is your favorite character in the film? Like as we close out the first film. Well, in the first one, uh, as I said, I used to be really obsessed with Chick Hicks. Although, uh, having rewatched it, I don't know, really. Probably made her. I don't know. My favorite character is Doc Hudson because it's like, he's, he's just so interesting. Like seeing like an old racer who's like kind of offended, but also like a really nice guy at heart. Like he's really cool. And his design is also really cool. It's really a shame Paul Newman had died. Before, so like, but they did end up fitting him into Cars 3 at some point. Uh, what is your favorite song? Uh, I'm probably going to have to say Route 66. 
Which which one? The one in the credits. Uh, mine is actually going to be Shaboom. It's like, I don't, I'm not a big doo-wop fan, but that song is amazing. I just love the way it's done. It's uh, uh, so what is your least favorite scene? I don't know. I might have to go back and rewatch it again. Uh... I've never really been a fan of watching being just crash just because I don't know. I don't like seeing that sort of thing. People okay. getting smashed up. Yeah. Not fun. <laughs> um, so I, I've been watching this film for so long that I probably love every inch of it, but looking back on it, I want to say my least favorite scene is the reporter scene just because the Jay limo, the Jay Leno cameo is not going to age. Well, same with the Arnold Schwarzenegger reference. So, you know, like little things like that, but I feel like there, if I could say something else, it's like the fact that I want to see more of this world and they definitely deliver in the, in the following films. So what is your favorite scene? Uh, I mean, of course I like the track, uh, the tractor tipping was fun along with the giant grain thresher, Frank. If, yeah. Um, but also I really like the scene with, uh, Doc Hudson drifting, doing the right to go left thing. That just that whole thing of him racing around that dirt ring just kind of. I, I think he's kind of trying to prove a point to himself that he's still good, but all uh, because he clearly did not know uh, McQueen was right there. Yeah. But I I really like that scene. I don't know why. Yeah, my favorite scene is actually the scene right after that where, like, Doc sort of tells McQueen, like, why he's kind of, like, averted to race cars and stuff because it's, like, it has a lot of heart. Like, five-year-old me would probably say, like, the beginning of the film with the big race, but I'm still going to have to say, like, that scene because, like, more grown-up me still thinks it's really good. Um, So, Yoshimitsu, what are your closing thought and a letter grade from a scale of F- minus to A+. plus? Uh, closing thoughts. I wish I had watched this movie more or had a better appreciation for it when I was younger, just because I don't know. I didn't really like too many movies when I was younger. Um, letter grade, probably B plus. It's, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, My closing thoughts is like, this film is really good. It was the first, the, sadly, the first Pixar film on Rotten Tomatoes to get anything below a 90%. And the second film was the first one to get a straight up rotten. And I think that one is, that is kind of unjust, but I'll probably cover why in a future episode. Um, so the, this film, it's like a tribute to the culture of racing, but also a culture to just, american history because like you can see so much of like american culture with like the whole heart of route 66 the mother road going along the u.s all the way from the west coast to the east coast and this has a lot of heart a lot of charm you can you feel like a lot of this film is genuine and learning all the behind the scenes stuff that went into this trying to make it as like accurate as possible there was even like a part where like a John Lasseter did find out right after Richard Petty has finished voicing all his lines. Like Richard Petty told him, you know, it's illegal to bump a car for a car to bump another car in the last lap. Right. 
And then it, and then John Lothar is like, oh no, I had forgotten to write that into the script. I'm gonna have to do something quick. And then they did like some quick voice line do overs as like a quick edit in, so they that wouldn't be noticeable. But yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia for this film. It's like if I didn't, I'd probably give it a lower grade. But my current grade is gonna have to be an A. It's lots of Pixar films are fantastic. This one is more like slightly below fantastic. And wait, so it's only illegal to bump another car in the final lap. All the other laps are fair game. I guess so. Yeah. Um. So because we're game podcast at heart, of course we have to talk about other things that had been made for the uh the Cars franchise, like video game related. So Cars the video game it was released June sixth of 06, three days before the movie it officially released on the. The film had released elsewhere besides Lowe's Motor Speedway June 9th. So it came out for Game Boy Advance, Windows, Nintendo DS, Nintendo GameCube, PlayStation 2, PlayStation Portable, Xbox, and an Xbox 360 port came later. And a Wii port came on the Wii's launch day of November, uh, I think, 12th. So I played this game a lot as a kid, and I loved it. I also found, like, my local McDonald's had a version of it that when I went there a couple times, I would play it, and I loved it there. And another game release for it was Cars Mater National, which came out October 29th, 2007 for the 360, PlayStation 2, Windows, Nintendo DS, and PlayStation 3. Game Boy Advance and Wii ports came out later in the year. And then another Cars game, which is probably my favorite of all three, is Cars Race Orama, which came out October 12th, 2009 for the PlayStation 3, Wii, 360, PlayStation 2, PlayStation Portable, and Nintendo DS. But that's not all. There was also The World of Cars Online, which was like an MMO racing game for some reason. Then there were also a lot of Cars web games on the Disney website I would play all the time. One thing I forgot to mention was, like, there was a short that came on the DVD release called Mater in the Ghost Light, where Mater just gets, like, spooked by a a ghost light. It's like Again, when... this terrorized me as a child. <laughs> I understand why. It's, why do Cars have this, like, what is the... This uh, one especially, this trauma but, like, I mean, I don't know why they all scared me, especially Presto from Wally. but... We'll I kind of later, understand probably. why that one would have scared you, but I, I like that one a lot looking back on it. But, yeah, um, so, oh, like Mater like finds a, you know, he's like, he pranks people. They get back at him by putting like a lantern on his back, telling them it's the story of the ghost light. And then like the screaming Banshee, which comes along at the end, which Mater's just oblivious to. And that song that comes with it is also made by Brad Paisley, who did Find Yourself. Uh, so that the Behind the Clouds is another really good song. Uh, there was also the car storybook collection, which provided some backstory to the thing. Like Doc Hudson, after he did his crash, he found out that he liked how cars worked, which sort of led into the whole him becoming a doctor thing. Uh, and then there was also like Flo was like a showgirl, which is going to be part of a deleted scene that never materialized. And uh, Luigi and Guido had migrated to America from Italy. And then it's like they try to build their tire uh, location in a lot of places, but like couldn't because their tire sculpture kept falling down and they were asked to leave. But in Radiator Springs, they were asked to stay. And that, but that, I think that was actually part of a Cars graphic novel, I think, which I'll talk about in just a second. So the, um, uh, some other parts of the storybook collection was like a story with Mater when he was a kid, which also talked about Bubba, which I, who I had already mentioned, but. That that those are all the ones I can remember. Also, like McQueen's backstory, he, how he was like part of this brand called Smeltings, and then he got switched over to Rusty's. Then there were also these graphic novels published by Boom Kids. There was Rally Race, which shows like a 
McQueen starting like a charity event for a special needs camp. We see that there's like a speedway built in Radiator Springs that was retconned in the following film. And but the and the speedway was also part of like Cars Mater National and Raceorama. Mater National is not that good, but the other two are good. If you have to play one Cars video game, play the Raceorama. Uh, there was also Rust Route 66 Dash, which I already talked about. There's a very weird scene where like Matt has a dream where he gets kidnapped by aliens or something. And then there's also this one called the Rust Bucket Derby where uh, Bubba challenges Mater to a demolition derby. Then there's Radiator Springs, which tells more of the backstories, some of them not touched on in the storybook collection, and The Rookie, which is also a retelling of McQueen's backstory. Weird thing is, in it, it, it shows that Mac used to be part of Eggman Movers before he was the Rusty's hauler, and he was um, Eggman Movers, the moving company from Toy Story. And uh, another thing I used to love about the Cars franchise was Take5aday.com, which was a website which would give news and updates and various other things on, like, the Cars diecast franchise. I loved it. There's also this bonus disc that Walmart made that, for some reason, my library has a copy of, which talks about, like, the making of the Life is a Highway music video and this ABC Family short called Under the Hood about the making of the Cars movie. Uh, and then, yeah, I've already talked about diecast. They're a phenomenon. And then... Uh, there was also some exclusive Cars Christmas diecast that were sold at a uh, during Christmas that was based off another kids Cars book. That was that that book was kind of interesting. They made like an exclusive Santa Claus figure, and there was like a version of these that came in little plastic ornaments. Uh, and then there was also like Star Wars Cars that were like um like McQueen in the those were only sold at Cars Land. Those like Mater was Darth Vader, McQueen is Luke Skywalker. I think Guido is R2-D2, Luigi is C-3PO, the King is Lando Calrissian, Ramon is Han Solo. I want to say that uh, Doc Hudson is like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Fillmore is like Chewbacca or somebody. Like the tractors are the stormtroopers. And I don't remember who's the emperor. I want to say like Chick Hicks is the emperor or something. I mean... These teams don't exactly make a lot of sense, but okay then. Yeah, but I mean, those uh, those diecasts are still pretty cool. And of course, we got to mention Cars Land. They had a whole land built to it in Cars, which has like a, a Luigi, it has a Luigi attraction, a Mater attraction, and a Radiator Springs Racers attraction. And of course, appearances by Cars. And of course, let's not forget Mater's Tall Tales, little shorts featuring Mater that had aired on the Disney Channel, but also on YouTube. And I own a DVD collection of these shorts, so. The first one of these was Rescue... What? Also on Netflix, and uh, that's Disney. where I watched them, and I loved them. Yeah. I think they're those also on really Disney fun. Plus, though, currently. They might Res be. The first one to air was Rescue Squad Mater, which came out October 27th, 2008. It's like him as a fire truck. It's like the structure of these is like Mater like, tells, oh, I used to be yada yada, and then McQueen's like, I don't believe you. And then like, after a bit of the story, Mater says... Oh yeah, you were there too. And then McQueen's like, "What?" And then it's like shows McQueen doing something dumb, and like, and it like the nurse has a crush on McQueen, and Mia and Tia show up as in various things in each of the shorts. The October twenty ninth, October twenty eighth of oh eight was Mater the Greater, which was like Mater is like a stunt man. That one was pretty cool. And then it's like uh, there was L Mater Door. There was actually some. Uh, Mater the Greater, El Mater Door, and Tokyo Mater all got little mini games in a Cars Racerama. Instead of them, it shows backstories as to how he might have lost his hood. I mean, they say specifically that he lost his hood in a 
in the storytellers collection, like Bubba sort of like took it away and threw it off a cliff. Because it's like how in he... each of the tall tales, there's like three of them where he ends up losing it again. Oh yeah. He loses it in El Matador, and I can't remember the other ones. For iconicity's sake, yeah. Um, there was El Matador, which came out on October 29th, where Mater's a bullfighter. And uh bulldozer fighter. Yeah, bulldozer fighter. And the the it sort of pushes along the myth that bulls hate red. They do not hate red. They hate anything that's moving in front of their faces. They find that annoying. Um Specifically waving, but yes. Yeah. Uh then there was also a moving on and enti- uh to December 12, 2008, there was Tokyo Mater. It's like Mater chose a car all the way from Radiator Springs to Japan for some reason. I don't know how it works. It's like like this guy in Tokyo challenges Mater to a drift race and they say the loser is stocked or like stripped of all their cool uh cool gear. Like Mater wins by some stroke of luck. Uh and then there was an unidentified flying Mater, which came out November 20th, 2009, where he meets a UFO named Mator that looks just like him. Then he gets kidnapped by the government and Mater has to save him. Monster that Truck Mater. Fun. Yeah. Uh Monster Truck Mater came out uh July 30th of 2010, which was a uh, Mater is a monster truck fighter, which was pretty cool. Uh, my favorite was the Rasta Karian, since my dad's very into like reggae music and Rastafari culture. So that one was pretty cool to him. And he has even like little dreadlocks or like tow cables. Uh, Heavy Metal Mater, October 8th, 2010. It has the laziest car of all time. There's a guy named Dex Dynaco, who's the leader of like a record label. He's just red Tex Dynaco. It's, it make, it's kind of dumb, frankly. And then uh, there was a Moon Mater, November 2nd, 2010, where Mater's an astronaut and then like tries to rescue a car. And then it's like, um, I actually like the joke how like the astronaut cars named Impala 13 is like a reference to Apollo 13, wink, wink. And then there was a Mater Private Eye, which came out the same day as Moon Mater did. And then I think after this was also like Air Mater, which was like uh, came on the DVD for a... the DVD for Cars 2, and then Time Travel Mater, which came out sometime after, but I was planning on doing all three films, but, you know, we're, we're running low on time. It probably wouldn't make sense to do that. Uh, that is uh, all of the information I have, except Mater's Tall Tales also got a video game, which I tried and I did not like. It's kind of a lazy mini game collection with motion control, just like a lot of games on the Wii, where it came out October 19th, 2010 for the Wii, and a PC port version of it came later. One more thing. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Impala 13, the car he rescues in Moon yeah. Meter, is a 1969 Chevy Impala. Interesting. I forgot to mention... car. I've, just like a lot of the cars in the... Uh, the cars like... um. The King's car is like a 1970 Plymouth Superbird or something, and Luigi's a real Fiat 500, but a, a lot of the other ones are made up. Like, the Hudson Hornet is a real car, yeah, but quite a few of them are made up. Uh, sad, sadly, but there's a possibility we may cover the sequels and the other accompanying shorts and video games in the future, but sadly, not today. So, uh, Yoshimitsu, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me as Specter Vamp on Lego Ideas and also Mecha Bricks. I intend to be posting some more on there. That's a Lego digital rendering site I would highly recommend. Uh, you can also find me as Specter Vamp on various Discord servers. Um, yeah, as well as our own. Where can people find you, Tiger? Yeah, um, 
So you can follow me on Scratches with Stock of Five. I just made an amazing project that I would like to point out is of the highest quality. It's Rick Astley sings Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I, spent like, I spent like two whole months in GarageBand making it, and I'm kind of proud of that. That's fair. Project. I respect that. I respect really. the effort. Sadly, my Lego Ideas project, I still haven't bothered submitting it, but I should someday. Uh, and you can also check out our other podcast, Geeks and Games. If you're curious in discovering this podcast for the first time, but not Geeks and Games, the link to it on Anchor, which you can follow on its other platforms, and I'll include a separate Apple podcasting, which for some reason Anchor won't do. And so I'll include a link to those in our show description, but not our episode descriptions. And also, please follow our Geeks and Games Discord server. Please um, rate and review both of these podcasts, Geeks and Films and Geeks and Games. Uh, Specifically, rate and review well. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, rate and review well. Um, I'm not making a separate Discord server for Geeks and Films. Uh, you'll get updates on both shows as well as maybe little bonus Easter eggs. I made a bonus episode on Geeks and Games recently, like I said, where I reacted to the recent Nintendo Direct. And yeah, we're um, as for Geeks and Films itself, we're probably going to post like on a pretty odd schedule, like probably only once a month until <clears throat> the end of the first season of uh, Geeks and Games. But I have plans for the next episode, Yoshimitsu. So because next month is October, I wanted to do like a Halloween special double feature. I wanted to talk about It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and Toy Story of Paris. Now, I said I didn't want to do Disney or Pixar, but Toy Story of Paris is kind of like the only other good one I could come up with besides Garfield's Halloween Adventure, but that one's kind of hard to find. So what do you think about doing that next one? Sounds good. Also, we need to do a Halloween music-themed episode at some point. Yes, you bet. We'll do that on the Geeks and Games show. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or complaints, or just... Uh, even movie suggestions please email those at a geeksandgamespodcast at gmail.com so it's all lowercase g-e-e-k-s-a-n-d g-a-m-e-s at the gmail.com and thank you so much for listening to Geeks and Films uh, like I said only once a month please follow our other podcast if you want more stuff with Yoshimitsu and I in the first three episodes of Play Fam and uh but yeah, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye.